everybody. Hey, welcome to Texans Take. Okie dokie. So, Brig, if you want to introduce our guest. Yeah, so my uh, my longtime friend, Trent Longren, is with us this evening. And as we were, I was going through people that uh, wanted to bring on the podcast and uh, that wiser men than myself. Uh, I can't give myself too much credit there yet. Give me, give me another, <laughs> give me another forty years. <laughs> but <laughs> so, Trent, go ahead and tell, tell a little bit about yourself. I know you were on the road doing your truck driving when I called you the other day. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm home now and just kind of kicking back, enjoying a beautiful day God has given us, and watching the grass turn green. And it's always uh, this time of year is always a time of hope. So we're just hoping for the best. You said it. It's been beautiful over here, too. It's been a really nice day. Just absolute beautiful weather. It's <coughs> wonderful. Are you set for a decent hay season? Uh, that should be determined. Okay. You never know. You know, that's, that's uh, what I kind of, you know, it's kind of, we're just hoping right now. Just hoping and praying that we have a good year. See, yeah. I, sp- I spent a lot of my summers in high school Bailing hay with this guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Most mostly raking. He did the bailing. Yeah. So uh, Trent, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Uh, I do some farming and a little bit of truck driving and just whatever I can and try to spend as much time working working for the one that counts most. Working for God, you know, just trying That's to right. follow His do all things for him amen to that brother well there's not too much going on with us today Uh, not not since uh what thursday not since thursday yeah not not a lot happened in two days (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i was hoping you were going to catch that since today is thursday not since thursday oh like not since today (laughs) i knew what you were talking about i knew what you were talking about yeah not since well, none since last Thursday or Tuesday for that. No, matter. no, no, not uh, not a whole lot. Of, other than we haven't had a whole lot of rain lately, which is which is since we live in a temperate rainforest. I got ten drops on my window on the way. You got here. ten drops. Ten I didn't drops. Get any. Yeah. So I got more rain than you, <laughs> <laughs> and you can have it. <laughs> uh. So anyway, well, hey, um, I guess. Let's go I mean, ahead and yeah, we'll go ahead and go ahead and start. So when I was uh, when I was talking to Trent the other day, we were uh, just kind of going over things that you know we wanted to bring onto the podcast, and and uh, Trent he gets fired up for the Lord, and I love it. But he started talking about uh, now. Did you say you're doing that in your Sunday school class? Is that what you were saying, Trent? Talking about you know how Christians should be living out their life. We're getting to that part. Right now, we're in the Gospels. We started in Genesis, and uh, we started with, uh, you know, who is God? How did he create us? Um, what is our, you know, what did he create us for? And uh, now we're just kind of going through the life of Jesus a little bit. But as, as we go on, we'll get into the life of a Christian and what our faith is about and how, how we should live, led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, it, it's amazing to me how we've lost so much of that, mm. you know, in, in our own personal experiences and 
even our churches, you know, I mean, some oh, yeah. of the stuff that's going on in some of these churches right now, it's just mind-blowing, you know. It, it's so far away from from God, it's not even funny. That's the truth, yeah. And especially all this with uh, when, when COVID hit and all these churches just shut down. It's it, that's the one that's the one organization that shouldn't shut well, that's, down. Well, that's you know when I went home for uh, for for Dad's heart surgery, uh, Trent actually he he was driving past the house and I called Tristan I think called him and was like hey turn around come say hi to us and so he he came out and we we sat on the bed of the truck for a minute and you said something that I will probably never forget Trent you said you know how are we supposed to love on each other if we can't get within six feet that's the you truth. know. How are, how are you supposed to you know, love on your brothers in Christ and your sisters in Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not the example that we were given. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. And if you look back in history, it, goodness, you know, whenever there was a bubonic plague or whatever going around, the Christians were the first one to go out and help people. And did they die because of it? Yeah, they did. You know, a lot of them did, but they were doing good and good works for the Lord. And they were, you know... Um, uh, they weren't scared. You know, they had faith in God. If anything happened to them, they were in God's hands. Uh, but you don't you don't see that a lot now. You've got Christians saying, you know, it's it's the good and godly and right thing to do to stay home and not see anybody where your grandmother in the hospital. And that just doesn't sit well with yeah. me. Makes no sense, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Now, I've heard, I, I don't know, I heard that uh, Texas is not doing the mask thing that much anymore. I guess they lifted all that. Is that is that kind of the... yeah? They, the, the governor lifted the mask mandate and left it up to the municipalities and the individual stores and restaurants how they wanted to conduct their business. But it's still uh, uh, he made it where if you go in somewhere without a mask, that like city of Houston's fighting him on it right now because they still want to find people if they go try to go around without a mask on and he said no you can't find them for that and you know it, it, it's crazy to me that if you read what the news says about it they talk about the fact that the the uh the law the mask law has been lifted but it was never a law to begin with it was a mandate it's a mandate yeah it wasn't so, a law yeah you know that's that's how it, it wasn't a law that was passed by the Texas legislature. It was a mandate passed by the governor. But it's it just how gullible people are that they'll swallow the fact that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. They think it's a law. They don't understand how our government works anymore. You know, it, 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 and if you, if you take it to the other side, it's, you know, Christians don't understand how God works anymore, how he, how he expects us to work anymore. You are so it's all right. Been, oh, my goodness. <coughs> you know, I was it's just... It's all been muddled for the much that you just don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true enough. Something that I didn't know, I, I was talking to a, um, a guy that I've known for not terribly long, but I'd like to get to know him a little bit better. But anyway, um, he's actually running for Buncombe County Sheriff. Um, oh yeah, you told me about this guy. Yeah, yeah. We need to and, have a coffee uh, sit down with him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a great guy, and um, the best I can tell is, um, he wants the law, the Constitution, to be the governing document. 
You right. know, if something doesn't match the Constitution, then that needs to either go away or if it's, you know, something that the Constitution doesn't regulate, then there's no reason that people should be fined or regulated by it. Right. Um, and so I really like that. Um, and he seems like a squared away guy. And like I said, that's one of the reasons I want to get him get to know him more, because, you know. If 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 he's a good constitutional, you know, man, and he's got law enforcement background and military, I think, um, then I'd like to get to know the guy who's going to be a potential future sheriff and then be able to help him get there if I can. Right. You know, well, um, and that's and that's good because, I mean, if you where, like, I was, where I was going with that, if you let me. Yeah, finish, yeah go ahead. where I was going with that is he was uh, actually uh, we go to the same coffee shop because they don't. They don't mandate masks there. Yeah, moments. Yeah, at moments. Yeah, and so I go there for a a, a a coffee at lunch, and he goes there just to do work and have meetings and stuff like that at a nice local local coffee shop, you know. And um, they don't regulate masks or anything like that, and so he just comes in and you know acts like a normal human being, right? And that's one of the reasons that he likes it there. Uh, but anyway, I was talking to him and. He was saying that one thing that a sheriff can do that not that most sheriffs don't know about and nobody else really knows about, but he did some research um, and he's basically, he wants to be sheriff. So he's learning everything possible about the role, the role, because that's what he wants to be. And apparently if the sheriff determines that a standing judge is in defiance of the Constitution, if a judge is ruling unconstitutionally, the judge, I mean the sheriff, has the authority to literally show up at the guy's door, handcuff him, and take him to jail. Huh. Their sheriff has that authority. And see, that's something that we've lost, I think, it's society. And I mean, that's at least in North Carolina and Buncombe County anyway. But um, I, he was saying, you know, I, I researched it and this is what I found. I was like, wow, nobody knows about that. He's right. like, you know, all these unconstitutional judges around there, sheriffs can do something about that. They can go lock them up. Yeah. You know, there's no judges like Solomon. Right. Because that's Carolina. something it's just yeah. like, you know, um, like you were saying, Trent, you know, um, we're losing sight of. Um, you know, the Constitution, we're losing sight of uh, our role or the government's role and our role, you know, to the government. Um, and, you know, if, if sheriffs out there knew that they had authority to go up and lock up unconstitutional judges, then there might be more constitutional judges out there, you know. Uh, and he's saying, you know, when I become, if, if, and when I become sheriff, I think it'd be a good idea to make a couple of examples, you know, send some people to jail. And then maybe anybody who is judge or looking to be a judge will be like, you know what? Maybe I should be constitutional. Well, and we might have more Christian judges too. Yeah. You know, which is something that uh, what I see a lot of is we don't have judges that actually have good morals. Right. You right. know, and, and there's a lot of Christians, you know, as kind of you and I were briefly talking about Trent the other day, there's, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians are losing sight of their morals. 
Oh, you know, undoubtedly. undoubtedly. You know, you just, just uh, you know, think about the people in, like you were talking about, Trent, people in church. You know, you're sitting right next to people who don't even share Christian morals, but they show up to church every week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, uh, well, the, our Christian values are going the same way that our government or our American values are going. You know, it's, it's got to be, you know, you're talking about that that judges are not doing things constitutionally. Well, the main thing that the, that the left wants to do, that Satan's people want to do, is they want to get rid of the Constitution. They don't want to have they don't want to have it anywhere. Right. You know, they they don't want a guideline to go by. And in the Christian world, that's the same thing. There's so many people that. Yeah, yeah, I love God, and, and I, you know, I, I worship God, but uh, I do it, I got to do it on my terms, you know. Right, I, right. I, I can't do what it says. I, I'm going to do it on my terms. And and the sad thing about it is, is just in a short, short time period, it's coming real soon, Christians are going to be the haters, or yeah. that's the way that the, that's the way that people, especially in the United States, is going to perceive mm-hmm. Christian people, right? Not as people that love everybody, but they're going to be labeled as the haters because there's so many things that the world wants that's against God that we just can't go there. That's you know, right. yes. And, and and in their eyes, they're saying, "Well, no, look, these people hate X, Y, and Z because." Look at the way they, they talk about it. And we're saying, well, we don't hate you for it, but we can't condone your actions either, you know? And the biggest problem we have in the United States and in Christianity is nobody knows who they really are anymore. Yeah. You know, it, it, if you've got a firm belief on who you are, you know, I've been watching a lot of this stuff on TV and, there's people running around now saying if you're born white, well, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are swallowing these. And if you know who you are, it doesn't matter what somebody tells you you are. You know who you are. You don't have to, you know, second guess what you thought, you know? That's right. And it, it getting, it, it's getting so embedded in Christianity, it's not even funny. I mean, I some of the stuff that some of the I guess you call them denominations are, are doing now. It's just uh, it's just unbelievable. It's so far away from what God taught us to do that it's not even funny, you know. And on another on the other hand, we want to mix so much of the world views in with God views. I give you a, a real real simple example, real quick. What is the the greatest commandment. <clears throat> love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And Paul tells us in Romans, you're to love your enemies. <laughs> yeah. But let me see, is that going to be returned to you? If you love your enemies, are your enemies going to love you? Yeah. Not necessarily. And this is something that Bill... He, not, not at all. They're probably going to hate you more for loving them. 
That's but right. We kind of mixed. We kind of mixed God's ideal of love and what the Holy Spirit gives us with love. We mixed it with the world view. Well, if you say you love somebody, but it's not a, a tit for tat, if they don't return it, well, you don't want to have nothing to do with them anymore. But that's not what God tells us to do. God tells us to love people, and if they return it, that's fine. If they don't return it, well, you did what God told you to do, you know? It's not something that you should be expecting a reward for. Your reward will be given to you at a later at a later time and a later place. So you know, but there's so many things that we that we have just taken and took some a little bit of what the world's got, mixed it with a little bit of what God's got, and we got this whole different view of, of what we think Christianity really is. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. and, you know, we're, we're warned about it in the epistles several times about what's going to happen in the end times. And I'm going to tell y'all, y'all are both young. I know Briggs young. I, I've never met, met you, uh, your partner, but I, I figure you're both Briggs, young. But Briggs just a hair older than me, uh, yeah. The older you get, the more you think about the end of times, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're, when, you're, when you're in your 20s, it's like, you know, life is eternal, you know, but when you start getting in your upper 50s and 60s and 70s, you start thinking, well, you know, if I hang in there another 10 or 15 years, that's pretty old, you know, that may be, that may be all the time I've got on this world, but, but that's, that's, and that's one of the things about this uh, COVID deal that really, really confounded me more than anything is people are living in a selfish way, like they're going to live forever. Yeah. And, and I, I guarantee you, I'll, I'll, I guarantee you that there's nobody walking the face of this earth right now that's going to be here 115 years from now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, you know. We're all, you know, without Christ coming, returning, we're all going to die eventually. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's just going to happen, you know. And, uh, I heard a guy talking on the radio the other day about the fact that, you know, yeah, yeah death is, is, is not a good, you know, it, it, it's just part of life, but I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. And it it's looks inevitable. bad because all these people are dying right now, but inevitably they're going to die anyways, you know? And that's what I've always taken the, uh, the Stonewall Jackson approach. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm as safe in my, bed as i was and as as i am on the battlefield you know my time is determined yeah. you know and it's not determined by me yeah you know and that's and that's what a lot of people have lost sight of you know we, we have and i, I always kind of hate the the uh the idea when people say well you know death is just a natural part of life well it's it's not, it's not. you know technically death is just it, it's it's part of the fall you mm-hmm. know we we didn't you know, we weren't intended, just like mourning, you know. Why is mourning such a bad thing? Why does it do so much, you know, damage to your body, you know, mentally and physically, you know, losing loved ones? Well, it's because it's not a natural thing. Originally, the design of humans, we weren't we weren't supposed to die. But because of the fall, mm-hmm. you know, because we now are, you know, we're all born with that sin nature, you know, that there's no escaping it, you know. You're not you're not getting out of it alive, you know. <laughs> Yeah, not not without not without not without Christ returning, and, no. and he will eventually. 
Eventually. We don't know the time or the date, but we we know he he will eventually return. And that that that's a whole other subject, you know. I mean, yes, we ought to live every day of our life as if Christ was coming back in two minutes or five minutes, and and not just live thinking that, but it, live expecting that. Now, it may never happen in your lifetime. But if you live expecting Christ to return any minute, you will live a totally different life than a life you live if you say, well, he probably ain't coming in my lifetime. You know, right. it changes your whole attitude about everything. It does. If that makes any sense to go. It does. It does. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, you have, you have a totally, you know, and, and, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of people, uh, you, you know, when you go into the fear of the Lord, you know, uh, you have to look at that as a respect thing, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day, you know, you, I don't really necessarily hate rattlesnakes. I don't really like them. I am afraid of them, but it's more like I know what they're capable of doing and I'd rather just like distance myself, Yeah, you know, and people take that approach to God and it's like, that's not the same thing. You know, the fear of the Lord, you know, you respect the Lord, but that's because you know, at the end of the day, everything he does and has done and will do is for you. Yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not one of those things that, you know, is, you know, be completely living your life in fear. Just just like you said, Trent, you know, you live every moment as if it's your last. And, you know, wholeheartedly that God has your best interest at heart every moment of every day. Yeah. It's the difference. Well, uh, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. That's that. Uh, that's kind of the thing about about death too. I mean, there's no real such thing as death. Okay, I don't care whether you're you're saved or whether you're a sinner and you're going to spend eternity in hell. You never really die. Mm-hmm. True now, enough. You're going to shed your body. You're going to get a you're going to get a different body, but your soul is going to live forever. Right. So a lot of what we're experiencing is the fear of the unknown, you know. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like when we die. And for a Christian, we do actually have a pretty good idea. Not 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 like a, a textbook, but, um, you know, we know that we'll be with Jesus and we know that we'll have, you know, perfect bodies and, um, you know, we'll be we'll be living eternity um, in the presence of uh, of Christ and free of sin. And as a Christian, it's like, yes, I want that. Anybody who's not a Christian, though, has a good reason to be afraid of the unknown, you know. And and that's a, a, a when you say that, it's kind of interesting because you run into this, and I, I've run into this more than once. Um, and a couple years ago, I would have said, "Well, it's you know, just that's a a coinky dink," yeah. you know. But I find it amazing that I run into, you know, agnostics and atheists. I mean, I'm, I'm in the public eye all the time just because of my job. And uh, generally, you know, I don't bring it up. You know, if someone wants to talk about the Lord and, and they want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. But I, I generally don't bring it up if I know there's going to be conflict. But what I have found out is there are a lot of just atheists and agnostics, people that don't know or are firm in what they think is you know, uh, fact right. that have interestingly better morals than some of the people that know where they're going. 
That's true enough. Why, why is that the case? Why can someone who has, you know, no belief in God, they've stood so far away from it their hate whole God. life, hate God, you know, and that's why I said a lot of these atheists, atheists is nearly not the right word, because that's, that's just saying that, you know, you, you don't necessarily believe in any God. A lot of what we consider atheists are anti-theists. Right. They don't want anything to do with the Christian God. They don't, they, they don't, you, you don't see billboards from, you know, atheists going around saying how, you know, Buddha's bad. Mm-hmm. You don't see that. No. You know, but you do see how, well, Christ is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the end of the day, you know, these people that are atheists and anti-theists, how do they have better morals than the people who sit in the church every single week, listen to sermons, they know exactly where they're going, and, and don't live by it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, I mean, just having good morals doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't mean you have salvation. But right. on the other hand, if you are saved, you should have good morals. I mean, right. there's just no way around it. I mean, that, that should be the starting point right there. But the another thing that we've really started mixing in over the last few years with with god is it's about all about me of course you know we live in a world of all about me you know uh, but true enough. um this this old country boy right here i'm gonna tell you right now i have nothing good in me anything good that comes out of me is from god okay i don't want to take credit for anything and you have so many people now that they're even Christian people that are doing things for the wrong reason. Sure they're not enough. doing it to glorify God. They're doing it to glorify themselves. Mm-hmm. And and just out of, curi- out of curiosity, Trent, but we're, I assume, and I've always assumed this, but I don't know that I've ever actually asked you, were you raised in church? I, I, I was raised in a very, very, very strict... I, I'll give you a little, little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's like a long time to do the whole thing, but I was raised in a very, very strict, very, very legalistic Christian upbringing, okay? Yeah. And when I got about 14 or 15 years old, I said, man, I can't do this. I yeah. ain't no way I can do this. I can't be like them people are. And I decided when I was about 14 or 15 years old that I was going to hell. So I was going to live like I was going to hell. All right. And for years I lived like that. But I'm going to tell you what, we have an unbelievably good God. And as far as I walked away from him and as far as I pushed him and as far as I spit on him, you know what? He never, ever quit loving me. And he never, ever quit calling me back to it. Because you're one of his. You can't get I, away. I'm telling you, man, I, you talk about a testimony. I can give you a testimony because when I was a young man, a young uh, young adult, there was nobody as wicked as I was. I mean, I was all about Satan. You know, I, didn't, I wasn't a Satan worshiper, but, I mean, I could have been his left-hand man. Yeah. But, I mean, I was living a life of deep, deep sin. But God never gave up on me, you know. He, he and then he brought me back in, and he worked me through a lot of the legalism that I was hung up on, and you know, taught me what what uh, what being one of his children really was was about. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I tell you what, right there, Trent, hold tight. We're going to take a break, and we'll start recording again. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> All right, we are back. So Trent, keep going. You were you were on a you're on a roll there. Back up about ten seconds though. <laughs> okay, well we we were talking about well we were talking about the pendulum. Yeah. And how it swings from the left to the right. I'll, we'll cut a little bit of it out, but how God's in the middle. He's not on the legalistic side, and he's not way over here on the anything go side. He's he's in the middle. And uh, we were talking about the fact that. Uh, Back in the 60s, it had swung all the way to the right. Everything was very legalistic in, in all denominations. Yeah. Well, then it swung all the way to the left, and everything could go. Everything would go. And the point I was trying to get at is we were talking about that once you're saved, you are truly saved. You cannot be saved and unsaved and resaved because Hebrews tells us that's impossible. The book of Hebrews tells us that you cannot uh, taste the gifts of God and be saved and then be unsaved. And then if you got saved again, it'd be like crucifying Christ all over. Yeah. But one of the things that, that really, really bothers me because it's never explained, and it, it, especially in Baptist churches, they talk about, well, once saved, always saved. So you've got these kids going up there and getting baptized when they're seven, eight years old and thinking they don't check the box. Right. They don't understand that when you're saved, you are born again. God is not in the changing business. He's in the business of renew. He renews you completely. He turns you into a totally new person. Uh, uh, when you're born again, you are a new creation. So it's different than, you know, people. I hear people talk about sometimes, well, you know, I'm just a sorry old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. What you are is one of God's children now. What you were before, you were lost. But if you tell, especially young people, well, once saved, once you're saved, you're always saved. Well, I went up there and got baptized, and I confessed Christ. You know, you hear these preachers talk about it on TV. See, I did well, that exact same thing when I was 16. It, it was just, it was yeah. what everybody wanted me to do, so I did it. But I can tell you, I didn't start new until after I had gone through my divorce, and I had a pastor that kind of came up to me and took me under his wing, and uh, this is how you need to live. And at that point is where I can say I really... I really experienced that yeah. for the first time. That's when, that's when you accepted salvation. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying, yeah, I, I did it at 16 because that's what everybody wanted me to do. But, you know, there's there's so many people running around right now in the world that say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And, oh, you are? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got baptized when I was nine years old. Well, uh, when was the last time you went to church? Um... I think we went the year before last on Easter. And huh. if I remember right, we went Christmas Eve the year before that. Yeah. And that, that, that's it. You know, and you're saying, well, wait a minute. Where's the fruit? I'm yeah, where's the fruit? That you, I'm not saying going to church is what saves you. You know, nothing can save us but the blood of Christ. Okay? But, 
you know, I, I've kind of been put together an outline of things to look at to know that you've accepted Christ and to know that you've got the Holy Spirit and to know that you've got that salvation. And one of the first things on the list is how much time a day do you spend thinking about God or talking to God? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that they go to church on Sunday mornings and they worship God and then they don't think about God again yeah. the next Sunday morning. They, che they check in yeah. on Sunday morning, they check out on Sunday night, and the rest of the week is theirs. No, That's, no, no, no. no. Yeah, they but, they, they, know, che they I, check in I mean, at 11 o'clock on Sunday and check out at 12. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I find that God is on my mind 60, 70, 80%. Of the time that I'm awake, God is on my mind in some form or fashion, you know. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I always pray for wisdom. And, and I'm going to tell you both right now, with wisdom comes a lot of heartache. Yeah. Because the wiser you get and the more you know God, the more you can see. And the more you can see about the way the world is right now and what's going on. And it'll just break your heart. You know I mean? Everything we got going on right now in the United States, if you take it back over on the secular side, it's all safe. He loves this. Yeah. He loves tearing us apart. You know, hate your brother because he's a different color. Hate your brother because he doesn't see things the way you see them. And, I mean, he just loves it. And that's not the way God told us to live. I mean, like we were talking about loving your enemy, you know. God tells us to love everybody not condone everything everybody's doing, but we're to love everybody anyway. I mean, I think about it from the simple viewpoint, if God can love me as sorry as I am, that I ought to be able to love everybody because, I mean, I've I, I treated him way worse than any human being could treat me, you know? Right, right, right. And I used to, you know, I used to, Whenever dad, see dad, dad has a, and I, I found out this is something that once you get to a certain age, you just end up doing it. But dad used to always be right about stuff. He'd say, oh, this is going to happen. And it would come to fruition. And I, I remember telling dad one time we were sitting there with, uh, with my grandfather, uh, my, well, you, you, you met, uh, you met my mom's dad, you know, and we were sitting there at a table and I, I said, Dad, I, I want to be right like you all the time. And he looked at me, and my grandfather looked at me, and they both at <laughs> the same time were like, no, you don't. It's not a gift. It's just something you end up having. <laughs> I've, I've, I've learned that I really appreciate it when I'm wrong, and I hate it when I'm right. <laughs> well, you hear me say it all the time. I'll say something, and it'll come to pass, and I'm like, Dad, gummit, Dad was right. Yeah, and every <laughs> once in a while, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, this is going to happen, and I know for a fact before it happens that this would, that's what's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't want this to happen. I really want to be wrong right now, but I know I'm not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and it, it took me a long time, and I'm, I've come to terms with it now. When, when Dad and Grandpa sat down and we were talking about that that day, that, you know, they were right. It's not so much as a gift, but it, it's kind of a curse. It's a blessing and a gift. It's and a, a blessing curse. and a curse because yeah. you can kind of foresee certain things that are going to happen, but it's not necessarily that you're you're hoping they're going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you've yeah. seen plenty of that. Well, being right takes being wrong a lot. It does. <laughs> yeah. 
I like that. That's true. That is so true. And the people that you, you see. You learn from you. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. But just a, a, a kind, of, kind of a subtle warning to your age group. Things are happening fast right now. Oh, there, there's stuff happening now that I never dreamed would happen in my lifetime. I mean, I could foresee them happening, but it wasn't in my lifetime. And Dad has said that so many times. How fast this is going to speed up, I do not know. Yeah. Yeah, because you didn't foresee it happening. Not in your lifetime. <laughs> so it's, uh, I mean, it's already I, faster than you I thought. Not this fast. Yeah, I mean, Satan is definitely... He's definitely moving and shaking, and I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, I got something for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing that I really... One thing that I'm really happy about um, with all of this terrible stuff going on is, you know, in the Bible, you see, especially in the Old Testament, you see Israel having its, its ups and its downs, you know, oh, sometimes the they're just, you know, all for God. They're fighting the battles. They're winning. They're, you know, um, singing and blowing the trumpet in God's name and the walls of Jericho, they come down. And they're shouting, victory, victory. And then other times, God's about to wipe them off the face of the earth because his people are so darn bad, you know. Yeah, so evil. Yeah. So evil. And he's got to, you know, his, his, his priests and prophets are saying, God, no, stop. Hey, hey, you promised these things, you know. Hey, go easy on us, you know. And God's like, yeah, yeah, I did promise that, didn't I? Dad gummit. I really, you know, you people, I tell you. Anyway, and so what you see right now is a, um, it's really a low spot. I mean, we've, we've had Roe versus Wade for about, what, 50 years now? Yeah, we were just talking about that, 73, so. Yeah, we've had that for so long. I mean, the legal, the legal murder of human beings uh for almost 50 years now and you know here in Asheville we've got several covens where you've got people who literally worship satan you know out there practicing their evilness and um you know my cousin caroline she works in a um she works at the uh the the grove park in Asheville and there's a lot of there's a lot of people there, and Caroline's the she's the odd the odd man out. She's a Christian. There's a couple others there, and she's I think she's found them, but there's a couple of witches over there, like legit, like people that practicing practice it, you know. And so it's you know Asheville's kind of a it can be a shady area, um, but all that to say, you know we're in a low spot right now, and. Uh, I think the main reason for that, the church is a, has a big impact on the country as a whole. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, and we have lost our saltiness. There's no saltiness in us, and what Jesus said is if salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing and is to be thrown uh, to the ground and be trampled under the foot of men. And so... 
what you see is, you know, um, all this terrible stuff going on because God's church has lost its sanctity. Um, and a lot of them has flat out rejected God, which I don't know how you ha even have a church that's rejected God, but that's what they've done. Um, and it's because of a weak church and weak men. Um, and it's just like that, you know, it's kind of the boom and the bust cycle, um, of, you know, good men. And it's, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, hard times produces good men, uh, good men, uh, produce good times, good times produce weak men and weak men produce hard times. Then hard times <laughs> produce good men. It's a circle. You know, it, 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 it's a cycle for sure. And, uh, right now we're in that, you know, hard times, <laughs> you know, we, we, hopefully we're at the end of, um, weak men produce hard times. Right. But right now we're seeing a lot of hard times producing good men because there's this separation that you're seeing. You have people on the left, you know, uh, people who hate God who are really showing their colors right now. They are coming out in the open, you know, just flat out saying, you know, we're sending, you know, uh, tranny men and women into whatever bathroom they want to go to, you know, uh, uh, abortion, you know, we want to bring it to full term, you know, have that baby and then get rid of it. You know, uh, we're doing, we're, we're doing evilness now that, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, but it's new to me. And I always wonder, um, you know, are we more evil now than we were when, possibly, when Noah was, uh, you know, when God, anyway, God looked down and where said, where I was going is, you know, end. there, there's well, a, there's a, there's a, uh, Go ahead. In the end of Revelations, towards the end of Revelation, God talks about the fact that in the end of times, that the evil will become more evil and the righteous will become more righteous. Okay? Right. It's not an it's not a the evil are gonna become more evil and the righteous are gonna become less righteous. No, both of them's gonna accelerate. Right. And that's so, what I was talking about, that separation that, that you're seeing. Become become more righteous and but when y'all study when you when you're looking at the old testament, see we really have no excuse. Mm -hmm. Because when you're studying the old testament, you gotta remember there's one thing that they did not have that they were lacking. They did not have the power of the Holy Spirit in each man, woman, and child in the old testament. That came after Christ ascended to heaven. Yeah. That that that's that's the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. So we've got the comforter. We've got the third leg of God, the third leg of the Trinity to guide us and lead us. So we really have no excuse like they did in the Old Testament because they didn't have that in the Old Testament. You know, those, those people didn't have the, uh, you know, all they had was the law. You know, it, they, it was, they were trying to live up to the law. And, you know, when Christ came and died on the cross, which is coming up in the next couple of weeks, we got the Holy Week coming up. Yeah. Toughest week of my life. Because I got to recall what God had to really give for my sorry self. But <laughs> that, that's a whole other story. But, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the fact is that they, they did not have that. But when, when Christ came, 
you know, he, he sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us. So we've got a guide that's with us all the time, you know, where they didn't have that in the Old Testament. Yeah. That's true enough. That's true enough. Um, Because, you know, the Old Testament is all pointing towards Christ. Uh, And now we're after the Old Covenant. And we've got the New Covenant. And we're looking back on Christ. We're we're in kind of a, a really wonderful place because we're looking back on Christ. Christ is here and we're looking forward to Christ. And so... You know, we've got the revealed word of God in its completion. And in the Old Testament, they just had probably the first five books. You know, maybe Job. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got it all written out for us. And that really... That takes away the excuses. That takes away I'm... all the excuses. All of them. You know, we have no excuse. Uh, especially for people that profess Christ. You know, if you're not a Christian, then, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, and that's like Paul, but, you know, when Paul goes into, he's talking about kicking the guy out of the church that's been, you know, sleeping with his his uh, father's, father's wife, wife you yeah. know, right there in that same passage, he says, yeah, you know, we're we're sent to, to judge the Christians, remove them, because we know that you know they the, the people that profess to be Christians are to be Christians yeah. and should be held accountable for that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's not our place to judge the pagans at this point. They're not Christians. You have to separate those two things mildly. Obviously, there is a point where you evangelize to people and try to bring them into the fold. That's but that's one of the reasons for civil law. Exactly. The, the the point that you know Paul's getting at there is. This guy says he's a Christian and therefore should be acting as such. You can't say the same thing for the people that say, I'm not a Christian. You can't hold them to, you know, well, the Bible says this because they're just going to go, what Bible? Right, right. Why does that apply to me? You know, which it's, and, it still you know, does. It still does our, apply to them, but it's not something that they have accepted as their rule of law. Right, they have a different Despite set of Despite the standards. fact that any morals that they do actually have are derived from the Bible. <laughs> Which is why Paul, I think Paul said that because he knew that. Yeah. It took being blind for three days for him to get it, okay? <laughs> I think he understood full and well, you know, the, the, the gravity of what you're dealing with when you separate the people who claim to be Christians and are Christians from the people who don't even want anything to do with it. I mean, what do you what do you think on that, Trent? Well, it, you made me think a little bit a minute ago. You're kind of getting at the point about why how Christians should live as individuals and as a community. When you were talking about that passage of scripture about where Paul tells them to throw the guy out for sleeping with his mother-in-law, you know, or mm-hmm. or his, his not his mother-in-law. I guess it'd be his, his mother. Well, stepmother, his father's wife. Yeah, yeah, his stepmother. Yeah. But if you if you continue to read that, Paul tells them, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the, a Bible in front of me, sitting in a tractor right now. But um, <laughs> I love that. Throw this man out of your assembly. And what does he say after that? He says, "So so his soul might be saved." Okay. Right now. What he's telling.
congregation, you remove him from your congregation, and hopefully the love of God that exists in this community of Christians will be more powerful than his worldly lust that he will return to you. Yeah. It's the way I've always taken it. You know, yeah. I mean you could write you could probably write a book on that one little passage of scripture, you know. And one needs but to be written. As a Christian community, I mean really as a Christian community, there should be no place you'd rather be than with your brothers and sisters in Christ that that's your body of Christ where you worship at. That's right. You know, when you wake up on Sunday morning, it shouldn't be, oh man, I gotta go to church. Yeah. You should be looking forward to going to church and seeing your brothers. Amen. Amen. And that's something that, um, just a little diversion here, but uh, as far as church service goes, um, you know, there are so many Christians that they go to church uh, and they get there just in time for the service. And then after the service, they're like, hey, I'm hungry. I got to go. And so they leave and going to church, you know, we, we, we elevate the service to be this, um, you know, uh, we elevate the service to be church, but the service isn't church. The service is a part of church. You know, there are so many different aspects of church that are lost if you look at it from just the service point of view you know there's you know well, yeah. commu- communion the with church, the, yeah the communion with the saints is extension or, or a piece of our our body in christ that exactly we the there, body of know? christ and you know um if you if you go to church and you know leave as fast as you can there is there's so much that you're leaving behind you know there's it's so important to uh, spend time uh, getting to know everybody in the congregation, you know, uh, just uh, fellowshipping with the saints. Uh, I think I think eating at church is wonderful because then you get that much more time to break bread with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I that little called fellowship. Yeah, fellowship. It's so important, you know. And it's all part of a rounded meal that is church. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I really hate about, you know, COVID. And one thing that's separating a lot of what I believe are possibly faux churches from real churches are, you know, um, not actually meeting in person, you know, and just getting a, a service which you know you could you can go online and find um you can go online and find um any any kind of service you want any kind of you know uh uh um sermon there's there's you know countless hours of sermon online uh just go to sermon audio and you can find uh, you know sermons that are better than what your own pastor could give but that's not the point of church is to get a good sermon. It's to get a rounded meal. It's to get the fellowship, the singing, to get the service, to get the communion, um, and to glorify God and all of that. And not just to be looking out, not just to be 
looking for what you can get out of it, but what you can give to your church. And that's one thing that I loved about Redeemer Pres in Austin is that, you know, they, anytime they found somebody with a little bit of talent, they like to say, hey, you've got this talent. Share that with the church, you know. If you've got some special insight, you know, um, into, uh, well, if people look up to you, then you should go, um, you know, dig deeper into God's word and maybe teach Sunday school, you know. Um, if you've got a great voice, you should join the choir. You know, if you've got this talent, give it to the church and share it with the church so that we can all enjoy it as a body of Christ, you know. If, if one hand is juggling, you know, the rest of the body is, you know, the rest of the body is working with that hand to juggle. You know, it's not just sitting down and sipping coffee, you know. Um, and so it's just the body working together as a body um, and not being disjointed. And so that's one thing that I really love about, um, you know, people that stick around after service because they're partaking in the body of Christ. They're not just going there for a service. That and they that's could something pull up I online. love about our church. You know, hey, even after service, there's many of us that just stand around and, and talk for mm -hmm. shoot an hour sometimes. Yeah. You know, just getting to know one another, getting to maybe learn things that need to be prayed about and right, et cetera, right. that maybe you didn't know about because you're just sitting next to them in a pew. Yeah. <laughs> and what's, you know, something that I need to be telling myself, you know, is church doesn't just end, you know, after you leave the building on Sunday, you know, we should be, you know, partaking in the body of Christ every day of the week. And that's, that's called, you know, looking after the, you know, calling people up, visiting with people, talking with people, uh, in the, in the congregation and, you know, uh, being a Christian doesn't just mean you go to church on Sunday. It means that you're a Christian, not just every day, but every hour, but every minute, every second, you know? That, that is so correct. I mean, you, you are, like we were talking about earlier, you are born again. You are the face of Christ on this earth. So all your actions, all your thoughts should lead in that direction, not Amen. off on worldly stuff. Which yeah. we all spend way too much time thinking about. And and a lot of it goes back to we're not really living like each moment could be our last. You know, we're living, I mean, really, we're living yeah. as if, you know, hey, we're, I have I have a doctor's <laughs> appointment in three days. I gotta make that doctor's appointment. Yeah. You know, like what happens if you're not like alive? Oh well, that's not gonna happen. Well, but it might. We're we're living like the exam. Yeah, that big exam yeah. is three months away. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, one 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 of these days we'll have one of these talks on on on, on human nature and, and what human nature is about because you know that's just like the guy driving down the road texting. Well, uh -huh. I'm not going to kill anybody. It's not going to happen to me until he runs into somebody head on and kills him. You know, right. but it wasn't going to happen to him while he was texting. Yeah. You know, I think as, as human beings, we always think that, well, that's for the other guy. That's not for me. How many people, you know, got cancer thinking, well, I'd never get cancer. Uh, you know, I don't smoke. I don't deal. I don't do this. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. like, 
come up with cancer. You know, yep. I mean that's that's just that's just part of human nature right there. It's, but but I, I guess I guess we got to start trying to wrap this up. But you know, I, I mean, just just pray with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, you know, just make an example. Let them see through you. Amen. What being a child of God is, you know, what what be what is being the uh, the example of his son here on earth, what is that supposed to look like, you know? And, and you know, trusting the Holy Spirit to, to lead you, and, you know, we've got to know who we are. I mean, because they're, they're fixing to come at, it, at us with tooth and nail, the world is. You know, I mean, I, I can foresee in a time not too far down the road where, you know, Bodies of Christ may have to start worshiping like they did back in the the first days, when they have to go worship in a cave to keep from getting killed. You know, yeah. yeah. Look at all around the world right now. Try to be a Christian in China or Iran or Iraq. Yeah, you no know, I mean, kidding. it's already everywhere but here, just about. Yeah, yeah. You know, Reagan. Reagan did say in the eighties, "This is the last free stand on earth." You know, I mean. He wasn't wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, Trent, we're gonna we're gonna take a break right here and we're gonna be right back. Alright, we are back. Alrighty. So um I think the way that we're doing this is we're gonna say thank you to Trent, and then we'll go on to a Texas yeah, fact and then yeah, close so up here. So it's been fun and Trent Trent's gonna be on uh probably we're thinking right after Easter, so we'll we'll get to speak with him a little bit again. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little more, uh, you know, railroaded on topic. But hey, it's it's fun to get off and talk about different things. Yeah. you know. And I didn't know if everybody, uh, um, you know, caught on to it, but Trent is in his tractor right now to get away from everybody. I think that's awesome. I used to just <laughs> go out and sit in my car because I don't have a tractor. <laughs> Uh, so that's pretty cool. Well, thank you so much, Trent. It's been a blessing that you've been here. Um, well, man, I, I, it was just a blessing doing it. And, uh, you know, y'all just be blessed and just promote our Lord and Savior. That's all we can do. Yeah. Now, Trent, would you, uh, would you be okay with going in and saying a prayer for us? Uh, are you ready for it now? Or? We'll yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go ahead and pray now, and then we'll get some fun facts about Texas here. Okay. Father God, we just thank you so much for watching over us and loving us and sending us your Spirit to guide us, dear Heavenly Father. We just pray that you continue to watch over us and let everything we do be for you, dear Heavenly Father. Let us give you the glory in everything we do. Watch over Brig and 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 a friend that Father God, his name has slipped my mind right now. But just be with them and and, and love them and guide them. Dear Heavenly Father, just uh, be with us as we come up on Easter and let us really realize what the sacrifice that you had to pay for us was. Father God, be with us and we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. All right. So um, I found this. It's on a loan. LoneStarTravelGuide.com, and it's interesting facts about Texas cuisine. So, Texas barbecue varies by region. Texas is famous for its barbecue, but one of the lesser-known fun facts about Texas 
at least to those outside the state, is that Texans don't even necessarily agree on what barbecue should be. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, barbecue from Central Texas, which is focused on showing off the meat with little to no sauce, is most popular, but there are specific variations. For example, in East Texas, barbecue is generally served chopped with sauce on a bun. West Texas barbecue is home to barbacoa, which is traditionally made from the cow's head. Can't imagine there's that much meat there. Wow. Um, and anyway, that's that's a little fun fact. It goes on from there about Dr. Pepper, but uh, we, we talked about that last time, I think. We did, we did. The time before that. Um, well, wait a minute. Hold on here. I can't stop there. It says frozen margaritas were invented in Texas. Do what? It says uh, Mariano Martinez first invented frozen margaritas in Dallas in 1971 when he had the idea to put a margarita through a soft serve ice cream <laughs> maker. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, oh, one more thing since we're talking about cuisine here. One thing that Briggs actually tried his hand at making and he's actually working on right now is kolaches. Kolaches are really good and they're very popular in Texas. Originally, Czech food has been, uh, let's see, this originally Czech food has been Texified and is beloved in the state in tradition, in addition to sweet kolaches, savory klobuznecks are also popular and that's the... um, the original kolache, it's a sweet, it's a sweet pastry, and it's got fruit in the middle, um, and it's got there's a specific a specific pastry pastry dough that they use, um, and to make a kolache, and it's got fruit in the middle or something like that, and it's a check. But when they came to Texas, um, you know, the Czechs continued making their kolaches, and then the whole Texas thing kind of said you know hey we like kolaches we also really like meat and so they started putting sausage in the middle of the kolache dough and so those have been called klobuznecks um which most people just call kolaches or yeah, meat kolaches or sausage kolaches and now they got real good ones it's meat it's uh, uh meat kolaches or sausage kolaches with cheese and jalapenos. Well, see, that's what and I was about to say. So, good. Trent, you know exactly what we're talking about. Because when when I first moved to North Carolina, I was able to find them at a Dunkin' Donuts, and I haven't tried <laughs> since. But I, I asked, uh, I asked, I pulled up to a Dunkin' Donuts here that I had bought them at previously, and I said, I want a half a dozen kolaches, and they were like, dude, what's that? But you know exactly what we're talking about, Trent, don't you? Oh yeah, they're never donut shopping. See? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that's no longer a thing with Duncan. I mean, they looked at me like I was from Mars and maybe further. And the thing is, is in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I wish that every donut place had kolaches or you know uh, meat pastries or whatever, because you know in Texas that's what you get, right? right? But when I think about it a little bit more, I'm like. No, 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 no. That's not a good thing. Let Texas keep that. And so if you want to meet Kalachi, you got to go get it in Texas. Or come see me. Or, or come see Briggs. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it right now. <laughs> so, so we'll, anyway, co- we'll, we'll that's close your... there. But uh, Trent, again, it was it was great having you. And I, I can't wait till the next time, man. Yeah. Okay, man. Y'all be blessed and, and keep 
faith. That's all I can tell you. All right. God go with you, brother. Hey, guys. Brug Lance with the Texans Take Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us. Listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more.